All right, it's episode 850. I'm back from the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop, where I now have event voice or workshop voice a little bit, because I've been talking nonstop since uh, Thursday. Basically, I spent the last few days with about 400 phenomenal, primarily women. And so today, I'm going to share what I learned at the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop, and I'm going to hopefully inspire you to start creating content, or if you've already created content, to inspire you to keep going. We've got some insights on some fun tools. I'm going to talk about some mistakes that I inadvertently made that I'm really glad. I got some notes, and I was like, thank you for helping me make my stuff better. So I'll explain that. And if you're old, I'm old. Yeah, we've got stuff for you because, well, that's not an excuse anymore. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, where have you been? I'm so glad you're here. I help people plan, launch, and grow their podcast. My website, schoolofpodcasting.com. If you want to join, it's super simple. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener, and that'll tack on a little coupon to help you save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And of course, that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And I want to give a shout-out. I always like to start off with a because of my podcast story. And if you have one of those, all you have to do is go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash because, and it's, hey, I wouldn't have had this happen, but, you know, I have a podcast. And my buddy Harry Duran from podcastjunkies.com, and Harry was on my show. He's been on a couple times, but uh, he was talking about vertical farming back in episode 767 of the School of Podcasting. I'll have a link to that out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 850, as today is episode number 850. And he says, hey, I'm getting ready to board my very first flight to Dubai in a few hours. It's been an incredible journey the past two years as host of the Vertical Farming Podcast. To date, I've had 75 conversations with some of the most fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming, a.k.a. Controlled Environment Agriculture and CEA uh, companies from around the world. Uh, he's gotten a sponsor. We talked about that, how he pretty much got a sponsor before he had the podcast. And, uh, so congratulations to Harry on his trip to Dubai to go. Uh, he's really seen now as kind of a leader in the space because he's talked to all these great people. And I mentioned this at the Irma Bombeck writers workshop that one of the great things about podcasting is you get to talk to people. You kind of maybe, Hmm may not have any business talking to. And if you ask them, hey, uh, can I buy you coffee and pick your brain? They'd be like, get out of here, kid. You bother me. But if you say, hey, would you like to come on the Vertical Farming Podcast? They'll be like, hey, where do I sign up? So thanks to Harry for uh, cluing me in on that on Facebook. And if you'd like to share your Because of My Podcast story, simply go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash because. One of the coolest things about the Irma Bombeck workshop was I got to meet a lot of really cool people. And one of my favorite people, we called her the queen. She was wearing a tiara. 
I think we gave that to her. She was 93, and she wrote part of a memoir. She's kind of breaking up her life because, you know, it's 93 years long. So she's going to break it up into multiple books. And uh, she was 93. She started writing the book when she was 70. So I want to bring up that point because sometimes we're like, ah, technology and I, we're not friends. And I go, did you take an Uber here? And they go, yes. And I go, ah, that's not really, mm, we got to, we, we will always find a way to not do something. If we, you know what I mean? It's like that. So I wanted, I did a little research today and I just wanted to share this with you. Vera Wang, you, you may have heard of her. She's a famous designer. She began designing clothes at 39 and she's like world renowned now she started at 39 uh colonel sanders uh famous for his kentucky fried chicken better known as kfc uh didn't really start cooking and selling you know chicken uh until he was 40 bob ross the guy that draws trees you know the joy of painting guy he started that show when he was 41 rodney dangerfield had actually quit being a comedian and came back to try again at the age of 46. Stan Lee, you know, the whole Marvel Universe guy, uh, didn't really get his first break until he was 40. Donald Fisher was 40 when he opened up the first Gap store. Mark Twain, uh, you know, the American literature legend, published The Adventures of Tom Sawyer when, you guessed it, when he was 41. John Warnock, founder of Adobe, when he was 42. And at 50, he came up with the PDF. Sam Walton, the guy behind Walmart, uh, launched his first story when he was 44. J.R.R. Tolkien didn't publish his first novel, The Hobbit, until he was 45. Uh, he completed The Lord of the Rings when he was 56. Susan Collins was 46 uh, in 2008 when the first of the Hunger Games trilogy hit the shelves. Julia Child, the famous uh, you know cook back in the day, uh, didn't write her first cookbook until she was 50. Jack Cover invented the taser gun back in 1970 when he was 50. Leo Goodwin, 50 years of age, uh, decided to start his own insurance company called Geico. And many podcasters thank you for their support. Uh, Bram Stoker wrote his most successful novel, Dracula, when he was 50. Charles Darwin, uh, the author of On the Origins of Species, you know, the whole evolution thing. Yeah, he wrote that when he was, you guessed it, 50. Ray Kroc, the guy behind the milkshake salesman that kind of basically built McDonald's. Yeah, that didn't start till he was 52. John Pemberton was a pharmacist uh, until he was 55 years old when he came up with the famous recipe for Coca-Cola. So everyone remember, Coca-Cola was designed by a pharmacist. Yeah. Uh, novelist Toni Morrison, who was the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for literature when she was, you guessed it, 62. Laura Ingalls Wilder, or as her friends call her, Half Pint, uh, she published the very first Little House book, as in like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, when she was 65, Anna Marie Robertson Moses, better known as Grandma Moses, began her prolific painting at the age of 78. So, look, you know, as you get older, time flies when you're having fun, and it's amazing. One of my favorite lines, though, at the conference, one of the speakers said, where do you get your courage from? You get it from you. People talk about having a success, and then they say, oh, it's a Cinderella story, you know, and she says, you know what Cinderella is? It's the worst story ever. 
Don't wait for your glass shoe to be given to you. Don't wait for someone to knock on your door and give you your shoe. I don't know what age you were when you went to your first funeral, but I was 23 and I learned that lesson real quick that, oh, holy cow, time is a ticking and I've got to get a move on if I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish before I check out. And there were many people there that I talked to that were kind of like, and then I realized I wasn't getting any younger. And that's when I put pen to paper. So I'm here to say you're not getting any younger. And now would be a really good time to start your podcast. And don't use age as an excuse. You can always find an excuse to not do something. And so when you're like, well, I'm old. Well, not really. Come on now. You can do this if you want to. And the other thing I noticed, the people that were there that had success in writing, and it's very similar to podcasting, they do writing. They are writers because they have to. One of the keynotes said, you know, we don't have to write. You don't have to, but you want to. You feel moved to. And there was one guy there. He's the uh, his his break came from the book Eight Rules, Eight Simple Rules to Dating My uh, Teenage Daughter that was later turned into a TV show starring John Ritter. That was his ninth book that finally, and here's the fun thing. His first eight books, he couldn't get published, but he still wrote them. Why? Because he's a writer and that's what he does. And he said, I finally quit trying to write for what I thought the market wanted and I wrote a book for myself, and that was Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Daughter. Now, he's gone on. His name is Bruce Cameron, or W. Bruce Cameron, and he's gone on to write all sorts of books about dogs, like A Dog's Journey, and I think it's A Dog's Promise, or maybe The Dog's Journey, one of those two, many of them. One was turned into a Dennis Quaid movie. And so somebody asked him, they said, hey, during those eight first books that you wrote that none of them got published, did you ever think of quitting? And he was like, never. So that sometimes is the kind of mentality you need when you're a content creator, whether that's writing, blogging, YouTubing, whatever, you have to get this out. Uh, one of the members of the School of Podcasting is Zeta Christian, and she has a podcast called My Spouse has dementia. And she just told me, she's like, I have to get this information out. You feel compelled. And if that's you, I would love to help you. But I was just amazed at all the amazing people I met. I actually got to speak there twice, which was great once as a, a workshop and once as part of a panel. But I will never forget Lori Mansell, who wrote her first book at age 92. Have you ever said this? Yeah, I'm going to start podcasting as soon as blank. And whatever that blank is, you've given it power over you. It is now a hurdle to you starting your podcast. And it's a bummer because I heard so many unique ideas at this event. Now, when I say unique... I'm not secretly saying bad and just being, you know, polite by saying unique. No, I heard unique ideas that I was like, you should be podcasting. And yet I hear things all the time. Well, I need this microphone. I need to 
do this to the room or as soon as insert family issue. And I realize for me, there is a part of me that kind of goes, unless you're like, well, as soon as I get the internet, okay, that maybe is a legit, but you know, they have the free internet at the library and maybe you live someplace without the internet and the library. Okay. In that case, I'll give it to you, but there are so many people that it needs to be perfect. And I appreciate that in the fact that you are taking this seriously. And I appreciate it when people record something and they're like, ah, it's not quite right yet. Or I need just the right music or I need just the right artwork. And, and that's great too. But there are plenty of times when those are really just excuses to not publish because you are afraid. And when I showed up at Irma's workshop, they gave me a gift as a speaker and it's a coffee mug or in my case, a hot chocolate mug. And it says it takes a lot of courage to show your dreams to someone else. And I realize that there are times that that is really what's stopping you is you're worried about looking stupid. You're worried about putting out what you think into the world. But on the other hand, one of the reasons that Irma was so popular is she put her thoughts out into the world and 30 million readers in 900 newspapers in the U.S. and Canada were like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one thinking that. As I read her Wikipedia page, and for the record, the reason I kind of know of Irma is my mom was one of those people. In fact, I talked to my aunt before I left. My aunt is 96. And I said, yeah, I'm going to be speaking at the Irma Bombeck Writers Workshop. And she says, oh, my God. She goes, when your mom and I would kick you kids out to go to school, we would both run to the paper, read Irma's column, and then call each other to talk about it. And Irma started writing when she was 15, just in junior high. Two years later, as a high school student, she started working at the local paper where her first assignment was to interview Shirley Temple. Now, Shirley Temple is way before my time, but she was a child star, and that was a big deal for a high school student. She worked as a typist and other jobs in the newspaper industry, and she saved her money and went to college because it was important to her. It was something she always wanted to do. And in college, now listen to this, her professors, for lack of a better phrase, didn't get her, and she failed most of her literary assignments and was rejected by the university newspaper and she left after one semester so one i don't know two people at that college said eh, no and that could have been the end of irma because she has gone on to inspire millions of writers and so it didn't end there instead she came back and went to the university of dayton where this was held and she resumed her writing career after raising her kids. So she did kind of put things on hold. Now, she wrote a few things while she was raising her kids. But the uh, she got a job writing at the uh, like her local newspaper. Then the following year, the Dayton Journal requested new humorous columns. And she agreed to two weekly 450-word columns. For 50 bucks, this was again back in whatever, the early 60s. And uh, after three weeks, the articles went into national syndication through newspapers and into 36 different U.S. major markets. 
And as I said, she ended up all over the place. And they turned her first bunch of columns into a book. And that's how she became an author. And I just say this because had Irma listened to that first professor that said, yeah, you, 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 I don't know what you're doing, but this is horrible. Now she later went on. We have a morning show here in the States called Good Morning America. She appeared on it twice a week from 95 to 86. She also then, and I thought this was interesting because I went, they had kind of a little area, almost like a museum. And in 1965, as these newspapers started to show her column, she had trolls. She had creepy old men. And if I can just take a second to, if you are a male, if I can just, if you could just listen for a second, can we ixnay on the, uh, on the EP cray? I, I heard so many stories of creepy men and I don't mean kind of creepy. I mean like, wow, that's bad. So gentlemen, enough of the EP cray. Come on now. Seriously, it was crazy. But she had a, a, a troll in 1965, who was basically saying, this girl, you're publishing this girl. This is a woman with three kids. So funny in a way, because it then showed in 1978, she was out there on the front lines for the Equal Rights Amendment. And there were pictures of her with uh, then President Carter. So when she did that, there were newspapers that cut her column. What? Which kind of makes me scratch my head because 1978 wasn't that long ago. I was like, holy cow. But she stood up for what she believed in. And she has a, a great quote, how humor goes is how civilization goes. And I was like, man, that is the truth, isn't it? And so, as you might imagine, uh, you know, that got passed with help from her and everybody. But some of her titles, because I realize outside the U.S., you're like, what's an Irma? Is that what? So just to give you a taste of some of her humor, some of her books were called If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, What Am I Doing in the Pits? Motherhood, the second oldest profession. Uh, when you look like your passport photo, it's time to go home. Uh, a marriage made in heaven or too tired for an affair. So she was very, very sarcastic and just kind of told it like it was. And again, it takes a lot of courage to show your dreams to someone else, but there may be an entire audience that's been waiting for stuff like you. If you're looking for a podcast, if you go into, you know, Apple Podcasts or Overcast or whatever you're using and you're looking for a podcast about blank and you're like nobody's really doing it, that means the universe has put that in your lap to create it. Because if you're looking for that podcast and it doesn't exist, that means there are other people that are probably just like you that are looking for that podcast. I've helped many a podcast and I've heard many a podcast say, I started a podcast that I couldn't find. I looked for it. It didn't exist. So I made it. And so what I want to do is share a snippet from the book, Someday is Today, 22 Simple Actionable Ways to Propel Your Creative Life by Matthew Dix. He is the author of the book Story Worthy, which is one of my favorite books. And I know if you're a regular listener, you're like, oh, my God. It's like if there was a Dave Jackson drinking game, one of the words would be story worthy. And I'm going to change this. I'm going to take a little creative license with this. And I'm going to tell it in the third person. So what's happening here is Matthew is meaning a woman who wants to pick his brain 
about the writing world, about the publishing world. So they're meeting someplace to where they can kind of have a quick discussion. So she walks in, they sit down, and she tells Matthew that the writing process is complicated for her. She finds that she can only write in two to three hour increments at a time, and she really needs to be in the right space to work. You know, a a quiet coffee shop or a park bench, mid-morning, cappuccino at the ready, She hopes to dedicate a year of her life to writing the book, but she wants to understand the publishing world first before beginning. And Matthew nods and he kind of bites his tongue a little bit. And so she asks him, what's your writing process like? And Matthew has a lot of answers to those questions. He kind of wants a reminder that American soldiers in gas masks were squatting in rain-soaked trenches during World War I, scribbling words on pages as bullets and bombs filled the sky overhead. And you need a coffee shop, a cappuccino, heated perfectly to 154 degrees, and smooth jazz. That's a joke. But Matthew, being a nice guy, doesn't say that. And he'd kind of like to tell her that she doesn't actually want to write. She wants to have written. She's fond of what she imagines the writing life to be. You know, morning uh, visits to the coffee shop to splash a few hundred words on the page before enjoying a late lunch with friends. But she's not prepared to do the actual work required to produce something worthy of people's time and money, nor is she passionate enough to engage in the craft in those less-than-ideal moments. Writers can't help but write. Matthew wants to tell her that. They don't wait to write. They are compelled to write. But he doesn't say that either. Instead, Matthew says... You were seven minutes late getting here today. And she opens up her mouth to apologize, but he stops her and says, No, no, it's fine. You've never been here before. That's not my point. And she asks him, Then what's your point? How did I spend my seven minutes? Matthew asks. I don't know, she says. How? He says, I wrote nine good sentences. And he rotates the laptop around on the table to show her, and he points at the new paragraph that he had just written. He says, I also revised the paragraph above it. And he points at the words above the paragraph. The average novel is somewhere between 5,000 and 10,000 sentences. Every sentence that I write, it gets me closer to the end. And today, I got nine sentences closer. Creators create. And as I mentioned at the workshop, for every 2,000 bloggers, there is one podcast. And I can't watch your YouTube in the car. I can't read your blog or newsletter in the car. But I can listen to it if it's a podcast. I can listen to it at the grocery store. And while I'm walking the dog and while I'm doing the dishes, creators create. And if you're a writer, you've already done the hard part by creating the content. And it doesn't take a ton of cash. You can buy a Samson Q2U microphone. And if you're flying solo, you're done. 
You can plug that directly into your computer and use Audacity to record it. If you're going to be doing interviews, I recommend the Zoom PodTrack P4 to have as a backup when you use Squadcast to do your interviews. And all that, again, will still get you under the price of an Xbox. Now, when I started, I had just gone through a divorce. My brother insisted that I come live with him for a while, so I did, and I started my podcast next to the water heater, hoping that the furnace wouldn't kick on or someone would flush the toilet. But I saw the power of podcasting, and I was like, oh, this has the potential to be huge. And so I took my skills as an educator and I said, I'm going to start a website to show people because I truly believe podcasting can change the world. That was back in 2005 and we're just getting started. We're 18 years in and I'm here to tell you podcasting has already changed the world and I can't wait to see where it goes in the future. I again love that quote from Irma. It takes courage to show your dreams to someone else. So what's the worst thing that could happen? Nobody listens to it. Okay. Well, as I always say, you'll either have a great podcast or you'll have a great story about that time when you started a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is a part of me that just wants to scream, what is stopping you? (laughs) Come on. I saw this great video on TikTok of a young father And he's got his daughter and she's on the dresser and he's standing in front of her with his arms out. And he's just like, come on, I got you. I got you. And she'd be like, and and you really thought she was going to jump. And then he's like, oh, I I tell you what, let's count down three, two, one. And she still wouldn't jump. And I was like, man, that is me with podcasting. I just, come on. It's great. And so I want to play an excerpt from the keynote. All the keynotes were phenomenal. Uh, Lorraine Newman was great. If you've ever seen the comic strip, Kathy, well, the creator of that, Kathy uh, Goose White, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. She was phenomenal. And what was really cool is I got presented with a signed uh, comic of hers where she'd actually hand filled in the colors and stuff it was really cool. And that really, really touched me. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Something again, much like a podcast you can't get in other places. And so The one that I wanted to play, I actually was like, when she started, I was like, oh, and I just fired up my phone. And so this was recorded on my phone. I'm about mm, 15 feet from a speaker, and I've run this through Descript using their studio sound, and it made it pretty presentable here. And her name is Katrina Kittle, and she just had a great thing, and she was talking about getting unstuck, how she works Uh, With herself, she kind of had to get unstuck. She took a a hiatus, and she works with people, and she was there to help writers get unstuck. So she had four tips for us, and here they are. Promise yourself you are absolutely going to write. All right, so remember, this is a writer's workshop. When she says writer, you think podcast. She says writer, you think podcast. Write, podcast, write, podcast. When you write, where you write, how you write, all of that can and probably will change depending on circumstances. But the fact that you will write is not open for consideration. You don't negotiate with yourself about brushing your teeth or paying your bills. At least, I hope you don't. (laughs) You just do it. 
And I bet you honor your commitments to other people as well. So you have to treat yourself equally well. Number two, we have to change the story we tell about time. We are all so busy and we all need to shut up about it. <laughs> busy is everybody's lives, right? Grown-up humans tend to be busy, but saying I'm so busy doesn't make you look more productive or important. It just sounds whiny, right? So we have to change how we speak about time. You change the story you tell about time and you can change your relationship with it. So what should you say when you have to say no or skip something or send regrets because you would rather not do that thing and spend some time on your own writing? You need to tell the truth. You have to own what you value. This is my writing time. I've got my head down for this deadline. I'm focusing on this goal. I just don't want to be that busy right now. Speak with clear truth rather than panic or regret. You have to be present, accountable, and devoted to your writing. Own your writing time and do not apologize for it. Number three, and lots of the speakers have talked about this so far this weekend. Remember that doubt is part of the process. Nearly every single writer you will ever meet has doubt and hears those voices in their heads that tell those toxic, self-sabotaging stories. The writers who don't hear those, they're kind of assholes and nobody likes them very much. Because <laughs> here's another quote. Robert Hughes says, the greater the artist, the greater the doubt. Perfect confidence is granted to the less talented as a consolation prize. <laughs> I really like that one. So, but here's the deal. You do not have to try to permanently banish that critical voice in your head or those stories you tell. That's kind of a wasted effort. It'll be a losing battle. It is always going to be there. You have to learn how to hear that voice, to kind of live with it, but do not take direction from it. So that inner critic or the voice, whatever you want to call it, is really just fear. It's trying to protect us, right? It tries to protect us from rejection if our writing sucks, from failure, from criticism, any of those things. So in Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, she describes fear as like this really annoying but familiar friend who always wants to go on the road trip with you. And you can't say no, it has to come. So you're trying to take a trip. This is, these are her, this is her metaphor. You're trying to take a trip with creativity and fear wants to crash and ride along. And so she says, you have to give it a seat. But here's what she says to it. This is a quote from her book, Big Magic. This is what she tells fear. She says, you'll always have a seat, but you're not allowed to touch the road maps. You are not allowed to suggest detours. You're not allowed to fiddle with the temperature. Dude, you're not even allowed to touch the radio. <laughs> but above all else, my dear old familiar friend, you are absolutely forbidden to drive. When you let fear drive, fear will lead you to those self-sabotaging stories. And when that happens, because it will, you know what to do. You rewrite those stories as you need to. And rewriting those stories leads me to my final tip. Number four, treat yourselves kindly. We are only human. We're all doing the best that we can. You're going to mess up. We'll forget. We'll get distracted. We will realize that we have let fear been driving for the last several miles. And when we do, our job is to treat ourselves with kindness. Don't waste time falling into guilt or regret or shame just get back on track and try again. But 
be sure to look at maybe why you got off track and not as ammunition to beat yourselves up. Remember, we're talking about being kind to ourselves. You want to look at why you got off track like a scientist collecting data, right? What didn't work? Examine that so you can experiment with something else, a different schedule, a different time of day to write, a different location, a different way to hold yourself accountable. Let's say you planned to write for one hour, five days a week, and at the end of the week, you only did three of those days, right? Well, I want you to focus on the three days that you did do. You have to recognize and value what you did right. And it literally tells the brain, you need to do more of this, right? If you don't recognize your efforts, your efforts become invisible to you. And that's when you start to feel the shame and that whole spiral starts all over again. So even if you think it's silly, you need to take a moment every day to celebrate anything that is going well in your writing. Even if it's like, I opened my notebook. <laughs> like, what did you do that was even a little bit right? So when that guy asked me last summer, what is your greatest professional achievement? I know in my heart of hearts, I gave the correct answer. I never gave up. I also know in my heart of hearts that you have a story that no one else on earth can tell the same way you can. And I know that your story is important and there is someone who needs to read it. I know that you are part of this magical connected community when you write. I know that you can be awash in doubt and fear and write anyway. And I know that the only way out of a drought is telling your story one word after another. Thank you. And again, that was Katrina Kittle. I'll have a link to her website as well as the book from Elizabeth Gilbert that she mentioned. And she talked about when things don't go well, you know, look at that as a scientist. And I was so blessed. This was such a giving and supportive community of content creators. Now, granted, they're all writers, but we're all in the content creation business. And I had somebody say, hey, I attended your session. I really liked it. I got a ton out of it. And then she said, would you be open for a note? And and I said, yeah. She goes, because I really got mad at you. And I was like, oh. And here is a woman with a six-month-old child. And she said, you gave the example of how uh, new moms aren't a good audience. And I go, Ooh, I don't remember those words coming out of my mouth. And what I had said was, if you're doing a podcast, you have to know who your audience is. And I said, so if you do the busy mom podcast, it better be five minutes long because busy moms don't have 20 minutes to listen to a podcast. And she said, I have a six month old. I listen in the car. I listen while I'm doing dishes. I listen while I'm changing diapers. I And I went, you know what? You're right. That is true. That's a bad example. I was king on the word busy, not so much the word mom. And then I was uh, discussing it with some other people. And somebody said, there is no such thing as an unbusy mom. And I went, yep, that is also true. And then I was talking about how some podcasters start off. And if you are comparing yourself and you have two jobs, three kids, you're on your way to soccer practice and you're comparing your show to somebody who is single with six figures in the bank, I go, you know, if you're playing golf, you're they're hitting off a separate set, a, a different set of tees to a room that was about 95% women. And that's where you kind of go, yeah, you got to know your audience 
and nobody in there was playing golf. And that was one that as soon as it came out of my mouth, because that was during the Q&A, I was like, yeah, that was dumb. So always be open to hone your craft, to master your craft, and realize that it's not all going to be perfect. Again, it's that person that wants it to be perfect that never publishes anything, but always be open to feedback. And the feedback that I received, I was like, that's exactly what I'm trying to to do. You have me steering right in the right direction. And I thank them very much. I said, thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm really, in that case, that, that almost made the event for me, the fact that I came out of there with a better understanding of how to present material to different audiences. So always be open for feedback and always be striving to do better. And I realize that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now is about getting out of your comfort zone. And on one hand, I did very good at that. Uh, If you're new to the show, I'm at times really shy. And I did a really good job of every time there was a break, I found a new group to sit down and talk with. And that is not always easy for me. The thing that I did not do that I'm now kicking myself for is I got, and this sounds like a humble brag, but I, I got a lot of good feedback on people like, wow, I really, really enjoyed your presentation. I got a ton out of it. And the voice in my head said, ask them to do that again and record it on video because I need testimonials for like my speaking stuff and I don't have any. And I was and the voice in my head was like, Ask them to to do that again. They obviously got a lot from you. They will be glad to give it back. And my brain said that. My mouth was like, and engage. And in and engage. And now and uh he ha Yeah, so I didn't. But I will do better next time. Uh because I did better at the other thing, right? We're all just a work in progress, right? So those are some of the things that I learned in things that, you know, I'm I say this not because I like throwing myself under the bus, but just to show you that we're all a work in progress. You don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start if you want to be great. The other kind of nice thing about this event is I wasn't there. I was there only as a speaker. I wasn't working a Libsyn booth. If you're new to the show, I work for Libsyn. That's short for liberated syndication. Get a free month by using the coupon code SOP free when you go to Libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. And so I didn't have to man a booth. And so I actually went to sessions. And so one of the sessions I went on was for TikTok. And if you're thinking, oh, yee, Dave, I'm not going to be doing any dancing or lip syncing or things like that. You don't have to. The presenter was Rebecca Rainier. She was amazing. She's an author And she showed time and time again, number one, TikTok is ginormous. It's just huge. So you can have your own little corner of TikTok. I guess there's a thing like a hashtag book talk. And she said the reason she is on TikTok is because it's helping her actually sell books. And that's the goal of her enterprise is to sell books. And so she showed where There are people there just giving tips. They're usually like 15 to 30 seconds. I've started my own little TikTok adventure. And she showed, again, it was just there are things that are valuable or entertaining. It's kind of my same criteria, right? You're going to make people laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. And so, but the one tip I wanted to give you is you can set up your account under whatever you want your, your main TikTok to be. And then you can set up another one to just browse, 
kind of be your lab, my TikTok lab, because it turns out what you look at will affect what kind of audience you attract or something to do with the algorithm. So she said that is a a strategy you can do is have kind of a TikTok lab account and then one where you actually produce the information. So the other tool that I I knew about but I'd never really heard about and had some questions was Substack. And the presenter was James uh, Breakwell, who was a really nice guy. And he explained how, number one, Substack is free. And he had a ton of people in MailChimp and moved them to Substack where you do own the email addresses. Because I said, look, Substack is free. And if you're new to the show, I'm not a fan of free stuff. I'm just not because free is not a good business model. I said, so if I ever wanted to export my subscribers, he's like, yep, absolutely. And of course, the fun thing with Substack is you can sell, you could create a newsletter and then sell it. And he had a ton of subscribers and you guessed it, less than 3% actually signed up for the paid stuff. So the whole 3% rule, and you can read about that in my book, Profit from Your Podcast, is you know in full effect. But he also mentioned that the best time to send, according to Substack, is Monday at 11 a.m., that is Eastern Time, as well as Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the reason for that was on Monday, well, it's Monday and we're all back to work, et cetera, et cetera. And then on Friday, apparently 11 a.m., People start like thinking about the weekend and they're kind of working, but they're kind of not. And so that, and he said, what was interesting is because he had so many subscribers because he had a bunch of stuff. He was super viral on Twitter and he's had some great videos and he's uh, got this whole, he has four daughters and he's a joke writer, very, very funny guy. And uh, he said that he had so many subscribers that he kind of got in contact with like the whole team at Substack. And he's like, so when I say these stats, he's like, this is, they're like, yeah, this is what happens. So this is the best time to send. So I thought I would pass that along to you. Now, if so, if you're thinking of starting a newsletter, you might look at Substack. Now realize I use ConvertKit and I'm paying 50 bucks a month for ConvertKit and I, I do things, I A, B, split test some of my headlines. I have some like lead magnets where if you want my podcast checklist, you know, the podcast launch checklist, that's on ConvertKit. And I don't know that you can do that kind of marketing stuff because it's not really a marketing newsletter. It's a writer's newsletter. But if you're thinking of starting a newsletter and if you're thinking about maybe doing a you know newsletter that people pay for, because what he does is he has a free newsletter on Monday and a not free newsletter on Friday is how he works that. But if all you want to do is, you know, collect email addresses and not have to pay for them, this might be a case to go. And I know there are some other, there's one like Beehive or something like that. There are basically Substack clones, for lack of a better places. And I know even ConvertKit, I could set it up to where people would pay. I don't charge for my newsletter at this point because I want people to sign up so I can say, join the school of podcasting. But if you're looking for a free way to just send a newsletter, you might want to check out Substack. They do have some sort of bizarre podcast tie in, but I, as I looked into it, 
I don't see a feed. It's kind of one of those where I'm like, do they really just mean audio on a website? And I know they have a weird thing in their app that if you don't want to record your voice, you can basically let the Substack robot when people are in the Substack app. So it reminds me a little bit of Medium. If you've ever gone to medium.com, it's another place where you can post. Both of those, I kind of go, why wouldn't you post a blog, I don't know, on your website? So all the Google juice that comes from that blog goes, I don't know, on your website. It's just an idea. It's a thought. But those are two things that I was like, huh, I might want to sniff those just a little harder when I get back home. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that the professors at one university didn't quite get Irma, and she ended up leaving that school. But at her other school, she met one person that gave her three magic words. Check this out. The catalog said, English literature, Brother Tom Price. And it didn't begin to cover what he was all about. He was a philosopher, um, he was a critic, he was an actor, and he, he was a man who saw each student individually, and he knew I wanted to write. He knew that from day one, and I told him I didn't have time because I worked a part-time job to come here, and he said, go home and do something for The Exponent, which was the magazine here at the University of Dayton at the time. So I must tell you, <laughs> you sort of slide things under the door and wait until the, the great critic comments on it. And he saw me one day outside of the cafeteria, and he said three words to me. That's all, just three words. It was to sustain me for the rest of my life, I think. He looked at me and he said, you can write. And I thought, I won't believe him. And then I thought, no. I mean, he's a man of the cloth. I mean, he'd have to be on his knees for the rest of his life repenting for this if he didn't mean it. And I believe Brother Tom Price. And it seems like it was only yesterday. And actually, it was 22 years of syndicated columns and eight books ago. Incredible. So you hear that imposter syndrome try to creep in, and she put that fear in the back seat because of three words you can write. And I'm here to say you can podcast. If you're worried about stepping out of your comfort zone, again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listeners where you can sign up for the School of Podcasting, either a monthly or yearly subscription that comes with the 30-day money-back guarantee. And it also comes with me. That's right. Unlimited one-on-one coaching. Yeah. And if you go, how does that scale? I'm going to do it until it doesn't because I love to help you and see what we can build together for your podcast. Again, that website, schoolofpodcasting.com slash listener. And there's actually a coupon code in that link. That's why I keep saying slash listener, because that'll save you on that. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Simply go to, uh, well, you can go to Because of My Podcast. Ah, Come on, brain. Come on. You can do it. And, of course, she was in the Coneheads, easy for me to say. And he had a ton of email people, 
What do you call those people? Subscribers. There you go. In that link. Hey, it's Future Dave, and I forgot to mention, if you need somebody to host your event, I cannot say enough good things about Leanne Lord. You can find her at VeryFunnyLady.com. And I loved one of her quotes. She said, uplifting women is not the same as downplaying men. 